Hello again, and welcome to part two of our latest DLA Piper Tech Law podcast series. I'm Paul Allen, Dubai-based partner and global co-chair of DLA Piper's tech and sourcing practice. Andrea, welcome to our podcast. For the benefit of our audience, could you tell us a few uh, words about yourself? Sure. Thanks, Paul. I'm the author of Future Fit. It's my job to train about a thousand people every year to be future fit for the 2020s. And prior to that, I had a very long career as a Washington DC based television news reporter. And I covered major breaking events for um, big news outlets like Thomson Reuters. And while I was in Washington, I also had experience working with an international aid group to rebuild Iraq and Afghanistan using State Department funding and also worked on the grassroots campaign to save Darfur, to stop the genocide in Sudan. There might be some people out there who are listening and thinking to themselves that the changes that we've seen over the past 12 months with the pandemic Mm. um, aren't really going to lead to long-term changes. Mm. That, that, you know, over time in the not too distant future, and we've already started to see it, People will go back to their common workplaces. They'll go back to the, the, the traditional office setting that they will um, uh, go back to a normal that may not be exactly the same, but is relatively speaking pretty much the same as it was before. Mm. What do you have to say to people who are of that mindset? Well, I have to say, what about a second or a third or a fourth wave of COVID? We have to find ways where we go to work and we go to work in a hybrid model that can really absorb the very high potential for this virus to come back around and go through another cycle of total disruption. And I think that's why we're seeing so many companies make that call on remote working so early in the pandemic. We still have 40% of people who are saying that they don't feel safe enough to get public transport to go back to work. So while governments might have this mandate to say, hey, it's okay, it's safe to go back, we have uh, the majority of employees saying, actually, I'm not sure that I want to. This is this flexibility and, and, and mobility is working for me just fine. So, you know, I, I do believe it's it's here to stay to a very large degree. How it plays out, we are yet to see. Um, but we've all seen COVID accelerate the future of work. Uh, by 10 years in 10 weeks. And I'm not sure that there's any going back. I think that we were already heading down this path. And when I wrote Future Fit, I was not writing for a pandemic clearly, but I was writing for major tech disruption. So this disruption was coming at us in one way or another. And I think that many businesses, and as I say, you know, the smart businesses and the highly progressive and high-performing businesses are those ones where the leaders are confident in making the call to change the cost structures around people and place to give everyone more freedom, self-fulfillment and build efficiencies into an operating model that perhaps weren't there before. Andrea, when we started our conversation, we talked a little bit about your experience of working on a humanitarian basis in war zones like Afghanistan and Iraq. And I can't help but think that the past 12 months for us as a firm and our clients around the world has felt a little bit like working in a war zone um, where everything has been disrupted all at once. Thinking ahead um, and taking the experience that you had from your time in Afghanistan and Iraq, 
how, how do you see people surviving and succeeding in the environment that we're now faced with? Well, interestingly, Paul, on reflection, when I think about being in Baghdad, there's a classic VUCA environment. It's highly volatile, totally uncertain, complex, and plenty of ambiguity. And there's a real parallel to that dynamic and the dynamic that we've all gone through and navigated this year. And I think for me, what I've personally realised is that how resourceful we can be when we're faced with that kind of VUCA environment. We are deeply resourceful. We are naturally optimistic, I think, as, as human beings. And we, we want to survive. We're wired to survive. And I think that what enabled me, even in a very short amount of time, what I realised being in Baghdad, where literally there were gunfire all day, bombs going off, you name it, it was happening. It was intense. But what I realised is that, you know, what did not get me through that time in Baghdad was my skills with an Excel spreadsheet. What allowed me to be hyper-present and still able to concentrate on my job was really using those exclusive human power skills that we all have. You know, we can all work on our communication. Uh, we can implement creativity. We're highly adaptable. We're solving problems all day long. Those are the same skills that allow you to survive and power through, you know, a war zone. But they're also the skills that allow you to power through what we've all been through in the last 12 months. So I think that, you know, that's important for all of us to know that, You've got to trust yourself and know that when you really engage those power skills, you can you can really power through anything and come out the other end a stronger, more resilient, and uh, you know really wonderful version of yourself that maybe you didn't know existed prior to that crisis. One of the things that has been a focus of uh, the leadership attention at DLA Piper has been how do we pivot from a more physical world to a more virtual world. So a, a common experience shared by organisations all over the world when the pandemic hit last year, uh, and an experience that we certainly had as well as a firm, was a very dramatic and very speedy shift from a traditional way of working, or our current way of working, let's call it, mm. to an entirely virtualized way of working. So rather than being sat in a physical office, rather than going to see clients physically and have negotiations face-to-face, -face, um, rather than um, having uh, learning and development um, where people were in the same room together, um, whether that was with our clients or just internal, everything went virtual. Mm. And it, did, it went virtual almost overnight. And I don't think it's um, wrong to say that humanity experienced that together on a global scale like never before. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, really profound um, in a sense that we all went through that together. Mm -hmm. um, and now we've got this great opportunity because we've seen that actually a, a almost completely virtualized way of working can still be incredibly effective and does have certain positives. 
people didn't have to travel to work. People were spending time at home. So they got to spend more time with their families, even though they were in difficult times. Mm -hmm. um, so these sorts of silver linings um, that came out of the pandemic, not to in any way underplay the, the, the great negatives that came out of it. Sure. But what they demonstrated was that a completely virtualized way of working mm. can be effective. Yeah. Um, but, but then there are those things that we really grappled with around what does that mean for our strategy going forward? Mm. How do we incentivize, motivate, educate, um, inspire our people when we have this more hybrid model that you've been talking about or a more virtualized model than what we had before? Um, how, how do we go about making sure that we can connect our people to our strategy in a way that ensures that that strategy is really meaningful for them yeah. and that they can execute on it? Um, and I'd be interested in any views that you have mm. on, on how to uh, actually achieve that. Well, and here is the upside for people, performance and strategy for the years moving forward. We now have this opportunity to reimagine and redesign what this connection looks like and what the mobilisation of our staff looks like as well. Um, it's obvious that we're moving from um, a very light touch career development piece to a very individual centric model. And this is going to mean more work, but also more opportunity to engage and motivate staff. Um, you know, traditionally what we're used to is uh, a very simple conversation. I ask you how you are, you respond and the conversation, the conversation is over. And now as a manager, you know, it's overwhelming to take real time and be genuinely curious about an individual's development and help them realize their their ambition whether that be, whether that be inside the business or beyond the business and so we're required we're, we need to be more curious i think there's a lot of responsibility here that lies with the business to allow managers the time that it takes to have those conversations that are going to reflect and amplify this very individual centric workforce that we're moving into um, you know it's it's a major it's a major paradigm shift, but there are new ways of working that I'm seeing that are far more efficient and effective and connective than the previous version. Let's take learning and development in the digital space. So I've I've been running face to face classroom workshops for almost ten years. I was involved I was involved with digital learning for probably seven of those years, and this year what I've seen is astonishing, frankly, as a facilitator. I've seen capability lift up 30% compared to a classroom situation. And you want to know why? This is so astonishing to me. The digital space, when there's proper instructional design that sits behind an online program, the online space levels the playing field for introverts. So previously, if I was in a classroom situation talking about purpose and reputation capital and communicating with impact, there would be hardly anyone who would physically raise their hand and have a question. Now, in a digital environment that's safe and smart in terms of smart design, you know, you now have this unbelievably even 
field where everyone feels very confident to engage and the activity that I've seen in online platforms that are designed well far outweighs the conversations that would ever happen in a classroom setting. So I do think that there is real opportunity and real technology that allows you to connect in even more impactful ways than what you would in person. And I think what's going to happen is with this blended approach, with this hybrid model, when we go into work to collaborate and work on, on specific projects, we're going to really be so super present in those moments and have all of those important mentor, sponsorship, um, advocate conversations that we need to have with people who are going to help us move forward in our careers. We're going to be so present at using that time so wisely. And then when we go back to working from home or a satellite office, uh, we can still engage effectively you know, if we're using the right technology. There's a lot of very average um, online programs out there, but there are some programs that, that are deliberately designed with the user in mind. And those are the programs and the businesses that are experiencing uh, exponential growth at the moment because they've taken the time, in some cases 10 years, to really think about how do we design a program that's going to engage and activate a cohort. And those programs yeah. do exist. And that's how I think we're going to be able to really pull together the pieces around people performance and strategy, because that's going to be, you know, the foundation of the business. Um, people are the business. We're in the business of, you know, uh, relationships. That's the long game. And, uh, what an opportunity we have to really refine it and get feedback and keep streamlining it through the 2020s. People are certainly at the heart of business. Um, for, for business leaders who are listening now and thinking about what their people strategy will be for the rest of 2021 and beyond, what are, if you had three things to tell them, what would those three things be? What would those three important elements of their strategy be for making sure that they can connect with their people and connect their people to the strategy of the organisation so that they can take advantage of these fantastic opportunities that are presenting themselves? There are absolutely three skills that will enable an individual to enable and give an individual reason to connect with more people across the business. The first one is continuous learning. Uh, we have to invest in ourselves. The World Economic Forum recommends 25 days of continuous learning a year. We need to allow our teams to build continuous learning and embed continuous learning into our schedule now, just as we would any other meeting. It's giving people real time for that micro learning or that executive education or whatever that piece of continuous learning is. Um, you know, the most motivated person in the workforce is the high end, highly skilled knowledge worker. Um, they continually, on average, invest an extra 25% in themselves than someone with a full time job because they know that they're trading on knowledge and they're trading on their knowledge being current. So I feel like we can all take something from that. I feel like we all need to start behaving like that high-end gig worker, that high-end, highly skilled knowledge worker. Um, the second is reputation capital. We all need to, uh, I think, be facilitated through what that means, how to curate it, uh, behaving, as I said, with um, intention and purpose and starting to really think about our visibility across the business and across the industry 
And the wonderful thing about reputation capital is that it's not just about us. It's about the business. How do we move the business forward across the industry? So there are two great opportunities to connect with people, um, say a junior staff, to connect with someone much more senior uh, where they otherwise perhaps wouldn't have that opportunity. And thirdly, we all need to be super communicators. Uh, communication is a core competency of leadership, uh, particularly in a VUCA environment. Uh, people are looking to us for direction, for protection and order. And that means communicating and connecting with teams frequently and with impact. So this is where broadcast skills really translate directly to the boardroom. Um, and you know, there are many ways to, to think about how we communicate with impact, but it needs to be a priority. And that means these three skills really mean that we have an excuse and a reason, very legitimate one, to, um, to find, identify, mentor, sponsors, advisors across the business and speak candidly about their experiences and what the business values so that an individual can be aligned with what the business values moving forward, uh, whatever that strategy might look like for the business. Andrea, fantastic. Thank you very much for your time. I think that from, from my perspective, what I've learned today is that we've got every reason to be optimistic about our future. And um, that while we've been through a, a terrible chapter in 2020, uh, it has created opportunity for us um, to reflect, to think about what we want to take out of that uh, chaos and bring forward uh, into our organisations. And, and very importantly, um, to embrace this opportunity, we need to focus on our people and we need to engage with our people, motivate and inspire our people. And the way to do that is to really help them to be able to invest in themselves, um, help them and the organisation to establish reputation, capital and trust within their communities mm -hmm. and to be able to communicate and influence um, that into the marketplace, into their organisation, into the marketplace, all, of course, connected with their purpose and their strategy. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us. Um, and, I, and I look forward to uh, having the opportunity to speak with you again. Great to be with you, Paul. Thanks so much for having me.